Monday night's game, 5-1, and one, the opportunity to sit atop the NFC standings going into Tuesday. The Bears missed out on a huge opportunity and now sit at 5-2 and two and have a lot of their playoff hopes just hanging right now. David, what was your take on the game? Well, I think you win as a team and you lose as a team, so I think it's a team loss. Uh, but if we're going to point fingers here, I honestly believe it's snaggy. Obviously, players are the ones that win the games. Coaches try to put them in positions to win. But I didn't think the Bears schemed their offense very well coming into this week. For instance, I really think the Rams did a nice job getting Jared Goff in situations to be successful by moving around kind of motioning multiple personnel in the backfield and just making them hit comfortable throws. They ended up finishing with 371 total offensive yards and 210 in the air. And the Bears, believe it or not, had more offensive yards than the Rams. The Rams were just more efficient. But I honestly look at the play calling done by Sean McVay and the Rams and he was a genius. He, he got linebackers moving. They did a lot of quick snaps to catch defense snapping. Uh, there was one play where the Rams were in the red zone of the Bears and Buster Screen was caught napping and they rolled they did a quick snap and got the tight end to go to the run a little fade into the corner uh, to be honest with you I, I just think going back to what I said I, I think Nagy just didn't game plan his offense very well play calling was predictable I think quarterback Nick Foles really pressed and tried to force the ball and that's why he turned the ball over twice so when you say that his play calling was predictable, is that a as simple as run pass tendencies, or is that something more about based off each formation, the defense knows the route combos? I think the defense knows the route combos. I think it's pretty like I think the Bears have been trying to run the ball, but because of the lack of winning the line of scrimmage, meaning the offensive line pushing forward and reestablishing the line of scrimmage and moving the defensive line. The Bears literally had no running back or, or no positive yardage from the running back. They'd get one or two yards, and then it'd be third and seven. And it's like, well, did we really just waste two offensive plays to get <laughs> to get two, three yards? And it put it at third and long. Then they became one-dimensional, and they knew they were going to have to throw it. So the Rams would drop back their world-class defensive backs. And not to mention, the Rams had an amazing have an amazing defensive line in Aaron Donald. And he, he was wrecking some havoc. Um, while it might not statistically show up, he definitely was making the, beer, the Bears feel a sense of pressure. Um, but the route combos are very predictable. A lot of routes in the flat, a lot of hitches and five to seven yard ends and not even getting the first down. And I know we talked about this last week, Drew, but I, I honestly don't think Matt Nagy is adjusting his play calling to his personnel. He's just trying to force what he thinks fits when it's not working yeah you know it's interesting you say that because you know whenever somebody who wants to come up in like coaching football in high school goes for advice right they go to the message boards and they ask oh like what do you think about this scheme and the, the first thing that every experienced coach will tell them is that never try and fit a scheme to your program, try and fit a scheme to your players. And so you wait to see what you got, and then you formulate a game plan. And the difference is in the NFL, unlike in a lot of high school programs or low-level, you know, like Pop Warner football, you get to pick the players to fit your scheme. And so we kind of touched about on this before we started recording today. Is there some sort of disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff and is that going to basically 
pigeonhole the Bears' season this year? It, it was there. Is there something more fundamental to this team that is causing them to have such struggles during the year? I guess is my question. Is that is that something you're seeing in the offensive personnel? Like, is it really that they don't have the guys who can execute? But if that's true, what it sounds like what you're saying is that it might not even be personnel. It might just be that his play design is such where defensive coaches can figure it out. Yeah, so, so like, I, which is it? Um, I definitely think it's the latter. I think I don't know if you guys had the chance to watch the game last night, but Yahoo Sports journalist Ryan Young reported that color analyst Brian Greasy, son of Bob Greasy, made a comment about how he chatted with quarterback Nick Foles about play calling and how sometimes Nick Foles doesn't always agree with Matt Nagy's play calls because he's got limited time to make the reads and the progression that Matt Nagy wants. To some degree, that might have been the reason why Mitchell Trubisky initially struggled because Trubisky is a gifted quarterback physically, but making those reads is how you become a great quarterback. And you look and see about what the Baltimore Ravens have done by adapting their offensive scheme to Lamar Jackson. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, how they adjusted their offensive system to Patrick Mahomes. You look at the Houston Texans and how they adapted their offensive scheme for Deshaun Watson. The list can go on. And even like the 49ers adjusting their scheme for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's kind of a game manager, to be honest with you. Just a little flash here. Nick Foles knows how to win. I know going into the game, he expressed how he loves tempo and being no huddle and being more... Um, instinctual rather than trying to be so methodical and having to make reads and be strategic. I do think that Matt Nagy, he came in to this Bears job with an offensive pedigree and his coaching tree is very impressive. Working with Andy Reid, who's now of the Kansas City Chiefs, and Doug Peterson, who's now coaching with the Eagles. Obviously, Andy Reid finally got his big Super Bowl win. And sometimes, regardless of how well or how well you understand offensive concepts, It doesn't do anything unless you understand your personnel. And right now what we're seeing from the Bears is the offensive line can't hold their blocks that long. The running backs are unfortunately having little to no room to make something happen. And they're now overthinking their cuts. I think, Drew, you said it a couple weeks ago how Montgomery sometimes doesn't always process the reads quickly and hit the hole fast enough. I saw a very interesting comment on Twitter. I don't know who by, but they almost said it's like a navigation system trying to synthesize the location. I don't know. I, Montgomery's skilled, at, and but he's not given a lot of room to operate. Yeah, you know, number one, the comment that Greasy made, you know, whether or not that's true, I think Nagy questioned that in his post-game press conference. And, you know, I don't usually listen to those press conferences because I don't find them to be as fruitful or productive or give you a glimpse of what's really going on. But, okay, his comment is about how Nick Foles says he doesn't have enough time to execute those plays. Well, then we look at that fourth and four in the red zone where they have, I'm pretty sure it was an empty set because if I'm not mistaken, I thought they blitzed five and it was a five on five pressure. And so they do uh, on the side with three receivers, they do a slant and out and a slant. So there's two slants going towards the safety over the top with pretty much man coverage. So you know at least one of those guys is going to end up open with those routes, be open with those routes. And it falls holds onto it for three seconds, doesn't make it. A slant is usually a pretty quick developing route, and for that concept on your primary side, I would imagine he could probably get that ball out in two and a half seconds. He holds onto it, takes the sack. We don't even have a shot at the end zone. The evidence in the game kind of refutes that whole comment that that is even going on. 
And so it's like either Nick Foles is wrong or, or Greasy is wrong. Number two, I mean, we look at what you referenced about how David Montgomery does not – he doesn't have the experience. He's not being put in a place to be successful. I think he's a great player. He's got a lot of potential, but I've been critical of him in, in terms of his vision and patience, and that's something that comes with experience. And over the past two or three years, it would be hard to see how a running back could gain valuable experience and become that type of dominant back that we see on other teams, right? Like David Montgomery is not going to be the guy who can run through people right now. That's just not his play style. He hasn't developed into that. But then you go to that second three and out that the Bears had in the game, and they're backed up on like their own goal line. And they go into a pro look, so they have a a fullback who's not really a fullback. He's like the worst tight end on the roster, right? <laughs> That's who they have for fullback. They have a fullback in front of David Montgomery. They do like kind of like a zone lead concept, and David Montgomery makes the wrong cut. Mm-hmm. And usually I think when you're following a fullback in a zone lead concept, I think it's basically a pretty easy read, right? You follow him, and when he takes a guy, you go the opposite way, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's not that hard because when you have a fullback, it's creating an extra gap to create. It, it's almost like they're creating a synthetic seam in the defense. And so that seems pretty basic, right? It took them two plays to run in a row to get them three yards. I think the onus there is on Montgomery, you know? Like, it, we try and diagnose the problem when we go over these games, when we – think about these games and right there you have two issues that have pretty clear evidence from the tape not from what you felt based off what you watched in the broadcast or what you heard or what the media wanted you to criticize about Matt Nagy the tape doesn't lie and right there you saw the QB in the red zone couldn't execute and when they were backed up the running back couldn't make the right cut and that's kind of the story of the game I, I, I felt you know like I guess I would put my blame in the overall game and maybe the play design, I would agree with some of that because I think at times you saw that the Bears are trying to, like, emulate other offenses. But it's kind of like, well, we can be the not-so-good version of other offenses, which is – it's the antithesis of what Nagy's claim to want. You know, he wants to be you, right, be himself, I guess. I guess you have to be yourself. Yeah. So it's either the antithesis of that where they're trying to be, like, these zombie other offenses where they're, like, emulating – the Rams, the 49ers, or the Ravens, or whatever, what have you. Or it's, so it's either the play design, um, it, it could be the execution and the player's part, and that comes from every level. Uh, I think I think the special teams play did not execute at all. Mm-hmm. I thought the offense in, the defense executed. Like, let, let's be real. The team that scored the most points was the Rams. The second team that scored the most points was the defense. The, defense. the third team that scored the most points was the special teams. And the last team in those four was the Bears offense. Isn't that <laughs> wild? I mean, you also wanted men to talk about special teams. The Bears had poor field position the whole night. The Rams punter, Johnny Hecker, was amazing. Literally, he pinned him inside like the 10 multiple times. I was kind of dancing around that subject where this is just one of those things where almost for Matt Nagy's entire tenure in Chicago, we've had this special teams issue. And I think because fan base and maybe just like the organization was so focused on one man's leg, the kicker's leg basically became synonymous with special teams. It, People are losing sight of all the other things that impact a football game. And a lot of the, they went over in the broadcast, the way that Hecker was designing or 
producing those like coffin corner punts, right? He had like an extra split second to flip the ball to get that punt off. Why are we not scheming up something to put more pressure on the, these punts? Like, how were our guys not getting there to block these punts? It seemed like he had an extra split second. And, you know, I think it's something where it's like people lose sight of the importance of special teams. And this is something that for almost half of the NFL's existence, coaches ignored special teams until, like, Jerry Williams and George Allen started popularizing the, like, emphasis and hiring special teams coordinators. And, you know, the best teams in the past 30 years have had great special teams. And it's it's no – it's it, it's no coincidence that the Giants went out and saw the Pats special teams coaches because these are quality coaches that understand football and they have an impact on the game. Right. So I mean, even look at John Harbaugh in ba- in Baltimore. Well, well, they didn't dial up the pressure on the on the pump block. I mean, they got lucky on that field goal block. I, I thought, you know. And then the other thing is that on our punt returns, we're not catching the ball, and I don't know if it's because they knew that it was going to be an awkward catch. Well, practice that. Well, Why are we games. not practicing that during the week? But those added yard, those 10 yards, that's four, three downs, right? That's three downs of offense you could have saved simply by catching the ball on a punt. And then the other thing is we're consistently running the ball out on kick returns. That's Cordell Patterson. He's always going to do that. He's like Take one of the best special back. teams players of all time. It, it, it just I, I think that at some point you need to be real with what you got out there. And if the guy – isn't producing in the first two returns. I mean, like, in a game against a team like the Rams, you need every possession, you need every down you can get. And I kind of thought that the Bears kind of rolled over on this one. I mean, we saw whether it was the way they managed their yardage from special teams, like what I was just touching on, or even at the end of the half. I mean... Not calling a timeout with eight seconds left to, like, try to run off a play. Yeah. Or have a return. Yeah. Against the Rams, you know that there's going to be some weird stuff where you got to like get every chance you you can. And it just felt like they thought that this game was different, or that they had more control of the game than they did. I don't know. That, that's kind of where I place the blame. So I mean, like I touched on whether it's the play design, the execution on the offense, primarily from really easy things. It wasn't like execution where it's like, oh. Well, like, there were a few plays where they, I think it was at Williams was playing great defense and, like, blocked a few different passes that, like, were right in Anthony Miller's hands, right? Like, mm-hmm. that execution, that's something you almost can't really control. When well, I mean, that's play, but, Nick Foles trying decision, to force it. But the decision-making is something that you – that execution, you really – it's easy to control. Uh, yes, you know, like you're, the, you're right. The but when execution he, is one thing, but the mental execution should be easy to control. Right, but I, I mean, I didn't see it. But the execution piece, you're correct, Drew. But the other thing is, when the coach is not giving you any time or any options based off of the play calls, the coach isn't out there playing. Foles had literally no time on every pass to get the ball off. Neither did Montgomery, for that matter, to even run. So then it's like going back to what we were talking about earlier. Sean McVay is such a brilliant play caller, and I will give it, definitely give him the guru nickname because they did rollout screens in opposite motion. I don't know why it's taken the Bears so long to try to figure that out and try to give that to Foles or Trubisky, but the, the Bears continually try to do these quick bubble screens to basically fill in the gaps for the running game, 
And that just doesn't work because these the DBs and safeties and even the linebackers are so fast and so big. You're, at most, you're going to get two to three yards. So it's almost silly. And then when you have receivers trying to dance around, like small, fast receivers trying to dance around, and then the big guys can't hold their blocks, it's like a moot point. So it's getting frustrating. And then it's like, uh, to be quite honest with you, Drew, last Monday night's game was so boring to watch. It was like mind-numbing to watch <laughs> – Matt Nagy call a game sometimes. I, I, I got to disagree with you on that. I, I don't think the game was not fun. I think it was entertaining. I mean, you had a fumble return for a touchdown. You had a blocked field goal. You had a couple picks. You had another fumble that didn't get recovered. But And then you had just pass rush after pass rush. I mean, who can complain when you have guys like Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, and Leonard Floyd just lighting it up the whole night? Well, and the I mean, thing is, we, we can't take that away from the defense because the score sheet didn't show a close game. I mean, it doesn't mean that these guys weren't competing. I mean, I, I I found it fun to watch. I mean, we did see the Rams play a lot of games with their fronts and their coverages, and even the Bears. I thought like it kind of goes back to like what we've kind of been talking about over maybe the past couple weeks about their game planning. But it's like you could see almost the the skeleton of a game plan, but that it didn't come to full fruition. Because there's like a play where one of their timeouts, that, I mean, God, I was like, another bad timeout. That I, I'm, working, really I'm working on an article that I can hopefully send all these coaches on how to correctly use their timeouts. Anyways, one of those times, they, they are putting Mooney in the running back position. And you can almost see that they were setting him up to execute those wheel routes that we saw Patterson and Montgomery ran, what was that, against the Giants? Was that way back against the Giants? They had some, like, excellent wheel routes where they were just Mm -hmm. beating coverage. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like the Bears were setting that up. But then, you know, I go back and I look at the tape. The primary – Nick Foles, even looked the side that Mooney was running out to. His primary read was on the other side, and then he, like, gets sacked. It's like, well, it looked like they were setting up for stuff where it's like, okay, finally they're figuring out what works. But then when you look at the tape, that's not even what they were trying to do. Right. So, like, it's just so frustrating because there are flashes where you're like, oh, I get, I, I think I get it. I think I know what they're trying to do, and that makes sense. But then they do the complete opposite. And right. it gets really frustrating to watch that type of football. But I don't think that is, like, a representation of the entire game. I think that's the re- representation of, like, the Bears offense right now. It's like a, it's a cringe offense. You have it, it's to a cringe very uncomfortable offense. It is, like, it's not a fun offense to watch at all. I mean, the offensive line gave up four sacks. Trying to watch the Bears on offense is like watching a toddler learn to walk for the first time. They just do not, you know, they're going to trip and fall, but they might get a couple steps and trip and fall again. And they just had no consistency. Like the Bears made it to the red zone twice and turned the ball over. Or they they turned the ball over once, Foles uh, forced to throw into double coverage because he's pressing. And the other one was they just got stopped. They couldn't gain three yards to get into the end zone. It was insane. I don't know. I'm I, I'm just getting I'm getting so tired of watching the Bears on offense because it's like I literally think I do think Nagy's a good coach. I do not think she's he's a good play caller. And I say that in the standpoint of he's created a great culture on the team. The defense is outstanding. The offense has some nice pieces, but man, they are just, they don't, they're not executing. And I, and I will say we've just, the offense line is what it is. It's not going to improve this year. The quarterback situation is what it is, but we have to adjust. 
the next game is against the Saints. The Saints are good. We might catch them without uh, Michael Thomas. But regardless, the Bears' defense had the number one rated red zone defense coming into this Monday night's game, and they're probably not going to be after this past Monday night's game. And the Bears cannot continue to ride their defense to the playoffs. That's just not going to work. They did it in 06 when Rex Grossman was a game manager, but the Bears had another portion to complement their defense. They had great special teams. And the Bears' special teams is not great. The offense is inconsistent. Defense is outstanding, but when you're on the field so much like they are, they're not going to – they're not going to be able to perform at their top level all the time. Okay, I, I think David knows exactly the nerves and when to hit them because you just hit probably two or three nerves of mine. Number one, you referenced 2006. Lest we forget, they had a game manager with two high-quality running backs and two high-quality tight ends on that team and a top, one of the top receivers, in my opinion, that year. Okay, so when you talk about, you know, that offense, well – Giving it to said Ben and Thomas Jones was a lot better than giving it to David Montgomery and Ryan Nall and then the wide receiver experiment, special team, or Cordero Patterson. It's harder to defend Rex Grossman when you have said Ben taking it up the middle. It just is. And then the other thing is this whole line can be good. It's not that they're not going to get better. I mean, like when they have good blocks, it's not their fault that the Bears aren't capitalizing off of it. And how many times have we seen – subpar offensive lines do great things. I mean, great football players are made in moments. They're not made in some magic. Like when we talk about developing, it's like almost like just getting them ready to perform at their highest level in the moment that's needed of them. That's like what we really want from a football player. All of these guys are the all-stars of the 300 various football programs in the collegiate level, right? They're all all-stars already because they're all the best. They made it to the league, right? They have something that said that they were better than the 50 other guys that got cut through the offseason to form this roster. So they have stuff in the tank that leaves them to be capable. But we see coaches, when they have quote-unquote subpar O-lines, they develop game plans to put their players in the position to which they can produce yardage and capitalize off of their abilities. And so, I mean, I know the guys on, I think, NBC Chicago wanted to talk about the screen game. Well, we saw, in my opinion, you wouldn't say this, right? But multiple teams over the past decade have been known to run screens. And a lot of that is because they have a line that have a certain set of skills. And so like, I, you know, I don't think you can fault the O line entirely in this, you know, Rashad then, Coward. Okay. Who is okay. to blame that? Here's is it Nagy thing. then? For play calling? That false start, that false start by Rashad Coward that I went through in slow motion, like a split second. Like he moves by like a frame in the video before the snap. And how many times do we see, if you go in slow motion, the offensive line gets in the pass pro before the ball is even snapped? But come on. I thought that was nitpicky by the refs. And I'm, you know, I think the refs called a decent game, but I was like, come on. On an impact play, fourth and one, you're going to like nitpick that? I thought that was a little ridiculous. But Oh, when they they were in their own territory and they were trying to go for it and then they had to punt? Are you talking about that one? Yeah. Yeah, and the blocking wasn't terrible. When you run at Aaron Donald like four or five times, what do you expect is going to happen? That comes from play design. That comes from strategic decision-making. And then the other thing is on that fourth and one, when Cordero Patterson did a stretch, like uh, a pitch out, well, Charles Leno pulled around the – I don't know if you want to call it tight end. He was where the tight end would be. 
he had his block set. Rashad Coward was looking for someone to block, and the Bears' play design was counting on Javon Wims to set the edge on the reach block. So this isn't even Cole Komet or even Jimmy Graham or setting this block. We're having this, I mean, in my opinion, pure receiver set the edge on this impact play. That is not the offensive line's fault. And so when you add up these various impact plays, if you want to place blame, I just find it hard to blame the O-line. I mean, yeah, they're not an all-pro O-line that's going to like make anyone behind them look good, but half the league isn't that, and they still produce better than the Bears. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? Aaron Rodgers was able to perform on some bad offensive lines for a couple of years, and I know we don't have Aaron Rodgers on our roster, but it's like I'm really curious if wh- who's – what needs to be fixed? Like, is it play calling? Does Nagy have to humble himself and give up play calling duties so that he can focus more on managing the team? There's no shame in that. Some coaches have had success by doing that. But I definitely would not call Matt Nagy a guru. Definitely not. You can't have a coach that's going to take a timeout because the set wasn't perfect, because we didn't get exactly what we wanted on the defense. Like, you're not going to get that. So you have to have a coach that's willing to compromise with their vision to get desired outcomes. Do you think so that when, means like empowering the quarterbacks to make audibles at the line of scrimmage instead of just base? Oh, definitely. Uh, okay. So when we talk about strategic game planning, part of that is developing a set of like three or four plays that can cover various, what David often refers to, right, is situational football. And so in the first half, the Bears were caught in a third and seven. And if I'm not mistaken, it was 0-0, or at least a one-score game. And the Rams decided to play games like we talked about last week in the front. So they put Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and I don't know, they load up one side of the line with three Ram defenders. And they leave Jermaine Fede and Bobby Massey completely uncovered. And then with one DN outside of the tight end on that side of the line. And so, and and then they didn't even have a linebacker up there. They had a defensive back covering that gap. And instead of taking that and running it, the Bears decide to, I think it was third and seven. Yeah. And they end up passing it. And they pass it to the swing pass. And I think that was the time that maybe Corderell Patterson, like, got caught behind the line. They didn't end up converting. I think it was the first three and out that they had. Well, why did Nick Foles not identify, hey, we got a guard and a tackle uncovered, and they have a defensive back in front of them. Let's just run it up that gap and see if we get it. The score is 0-0. Let's just see what happens. Like, why is that not a tool that the players are able to use? Like, and, I mean, I don't know if this is something where it's like, we don't know what's going on because this isn't a transparent industry. But like I've said before, this is what we have on the tape. So for what we know as the fans and the viewers, and since nobody will ask these questions in the press conferences, what we know is that they don't have these audibles and they're not developing strategic game plans to be able to give a guy who's a Super Bowl MVP the tools to be successful. I totally 110% agree you got to empower the quarterback. And I think that's what apparently, you know, I've read that Nagy and Foles have a great relationship. They have good dialogues about offensive game planning. 
And I think Nagy trusts Foles a little bit more than probably Trubisky does to make audibles at the line of scrimmage. But we kind of see that insecurity with trusting Foles based off those time situational timeouts and not allowing him to audible or to call the correct plays. You know, if the offensive line can't hold its blocks, I, I think of many teams that are – I know you, you don't like to talk about offensive lines, Drew, but – because you don't think the lot, the problems I'm there. I'm talking about them. But I, I but I, I do think, <laughs> again, just citing how the Rams were able to adapt. And I think a couple of years ago, just this is a random observation, but coaches are able to adjust play calling to their personnel. Purdue football over the past couple of years had not been good, and it just turned around recently. And I think of a play call like Jeff Brom who came in with not a lot of talent and then managed to get them to six wins just by amazing play calling. I mean, Nagy is not adjusting his play calling at all. I think he's just going with scripts and not adjusting. And when he gets frustrated he's with the running game, he does those little bubble passes out to the right and left to create running situations, and it's extremely frustrating. And I know Foles is frustrated because he has Super Bowl experience. He literally beat the GOAT in the Super Bowl. And he doesn't feel like he's got enough time. And, I, and I'm not saying Foles is, like, on the same level as Tom Brady. But I know Foles has some, has some guts and can read defenses. It's not like he's a rookie. He knows how to – he can work through his progression. And he's playing like a rookie sometimes or inconsistently because he's having to force the ball to create something. Like, the only thing that's been constant on this offense is literally Allen Robinson catches everything that comes his way. Yeah, and ho- hopefully he's healthy. Um, the, the one thing I would add, I mean, it's almost like this podcast is becoming the offensive line slash running game podcast <laughs> with how much we have to touch on this. But uh, a few weeks ago, it dawned on me, like, after we recorded, and we had been talking about how Jimmy Graham is not the matchup we want against Pierre Paul. And it dawned on me how I think that people are kind of losing sight about how in zone running schemes, it can be very simple if you understand, like, the larger concepts, right? We were touching on that. But it's also, like, you forget how important the tight end and wide receiver blocking downfield becomes. And I think that a lot of times when you were talking about, like, not holding your blocks, and maybe that's true for the offensive line in the pass protection realm. Certainly, I mean, like you could always you always want longer blocks and pass protection, but in zone running, it's almost like we're seeing where like receivers are coming off their blocks early, or like tight ends are not getting to their blocks or not effectively blocking. And it's like if they could just hold their blocks for like a second longer, when those cuts and those seams develop in the defense, then a guy like when David Montgomery finally does find the the holes and fi- finds those like giant lanes downfield then we wouldn't be getting tackled. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, they can become those big plays. And I think that's what you saw from this Rams team. Like, that guy, Johnny Munt, he, I, he was not on my radar. I know, like, Gerald Everett I had kind of heard of, like, leading up in the game. But, like, that guy, Johnny Munt, was throwing some really good blocks. Yeah, I don't sure. know if you noticed that. Like, their tight ends could block. And even, like, Robert Woods downfield, he was blocking. And, like, that's the type of mentality that I think that – the Bears could learn from this loss, and I don't like to like. This is sound sounded like super negative. I don't like to catastrophize. Like, I truly believe that all these guys are the all stars, right? There, there's mm-hmm. only 32 NFL teams, and we know that they would probably just wreck the CFL teams, right? Yeah. Like, they're the best in the world. 
And so I really think that the potential is there, and it's all about pulling the right levers. And so, like, I think the Bears could learn from this game and learn from not emulating the Rams in terms of scheme necessarily, but emulate them in terms of kind of like like that chip on their shoulder they had. Like, yeah, I'm a wide receiver, and I run, you know, jet motion, and I get jet sweeps from time to time, and I – have a bunch of like deep passes, but you know what? I'm going to block you because we might get this. That type of approach, I think the Bears could benefit from. And you know, they're still a young team. They they could turn it on, but now we're getting to what might not be the fun part, and that's talking about how they're going to beat the Saints. And if this team wants to make the playoffs, this game is going to be very important when it comes down to the wild card race, especially if the Bears can't manage to beat the Packers, this game could make or break the season. I think and you're so, right, Drew. I mean, the Bears are sitting at 5-2, and two, which is not in a bad spot at all. However, they've been winning ugly, and, you know, a win's a win, and it's hard to get a win in the NFL, but the defense has definitely paved the way, and the offense has kind of got to lift its own weight too, you know. For a good relationship to work, you got to compromise, right, and you got to meet in the middle, and I think – the Bears' relationship with the offense and defense is not a healthy one because it's not sustainable, unfortunately. I think this will be a good week for reflection and hopefully some time to improve the Bears' self-awareness. And I say that in the sense that they know who they are. They're a defensive first team. And how can they put their players in the best position to be successful? And that extends to the offense. So what works for Foles? What plays as he like what is he comfortable in Uh, I'd even ask you know Montgomery what he feels comfortable in to get him going the receivers do a great job and even like the offensive linemen need to be self-aware and say I can only hold this guy off for like three seconds so you gotta do a three-step drop instead of five and seven step drops and stuff like that so the key word here or the key phrase here is self-awareness I think the Bears need to reflect and work on the self-awareness this week. I do think they built an outstanding culture in the organization, and I do truly like Matt Nagy, despite how I've been talking about his play calling recently. <laughs> Sorry, coach. But uh, I know it's much harder to coach in the, in the NFL than have us sports nerds talk about what you do for a living. But, uh, yeah, I think the Bears, if they could bounce back this week, it would definitely get the momentum back and get, get some confidence back in that locker room. I'm picking the Bears – to win in an ugly manner, I'm going to go 13-9. I think it's going to be an ugly, unsexy score. And I think Drew Brees, as much as I respect him, I, I don't think he's, it's not going to be his day. He's, out, he's going to potentially be out with Michael Thomas, and that Bears defense is going to be ferocious. The Saints are disciplined. Sean Payton knows how to scheme his guys open, whether Michael Thomas is in there or not. And this running game, has been looking a lot better than the first couple weeks. I think they're figuring out, you know, every year, every coach will talk about how this is a totally different team, totally different season. We're going to see what we got, you know. And it's almost like the Saints are just like every other team in that sense. And they're figuring out just how to execute cohesively on every play. And so I think this is kind of going to be a nightmare game for the Bears. I think that, they're going to be mad coming off of this loss. You got a disappointing loss on Monday night in primetime, and now you have to go down and face one of the best coaches in football who understands I'm not a proponent of analytics making decisions, but 
what it should do is it should inform your critical decisions. And I think Sean Payton is a great student of the game in that sense. And he's done the work. He's been humbled. He's almost the polar opposite of Matt Nagy in the sense where, whereas I feel like Matt Nagy has yet to go through that truly humbling experience because even during that loss streak last year, it's almost like because of the way the season shook out and because the Bears had a chance at the playoffs in week 17, it's almost like we kind of lost that growth. And especially because a lot of that surrounded the quarterback question last season, it's almost like we haven't seen that humbling experience. Whereas Sean Payton has had much longer career head coach. And we're going to see base. And I think my prediction for the game is we're going to see basically a clinic put on by the Saints coaches to basically just game plan the bears just out of commission. I think that their defense they look good. They're, I don't think they look as good as maybe the last two seasons, but they are quality defense. They're quality offense who they understand concepts. David, what you were talking about earlier about how Nagy's play design is becoming predictable, I think that you can call the Saints offense anything but predictable. Would you disagree? I would not disagree. I think they have a lot of variations, a lot of formations, and a lot of their personnel fits perfectly. I think of guys like um, Taysom Hill, who they use as like a gadget guy who can run the wildcat, throw the ball, play tight end, run, play special teams. I mean, they, they just find guys that fit their, their offense. And Drew Brees is arguably the most accurate quarterback ever to play the game. Rarely does he ever make mental mistakes. So the Bears are really going to have to get after him on the pass rush. That secondary is excellent for the Bears, but again, the defense has to get off the field. They have to get off the field. If they're on the, on the field for 25 to 30 minutes the game, the Bears are not going to have a shot. And I'm going to add to that, not only do they have to get off the field, they have to stay off the field. Yeah. We can't have three and outs against the Saints because it's just never going to control the pace of the game. And when you control the pace of the game, it impacts play calling. And that's one reason why, if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, I might sound like a timeouts ideologue in the way that I approach them. But at its core, that is one of the tools that coaches use to control the pace of the game, and that will impact play calling. And like any situation, when the coach is assessing down-distance personnel, the time in the game clock becomes a factor. And so I'm like, David, I'm going to take the Saints. I, I got to go with the Saints. I think even when they struggled against the Panthers, they still won, right? Like it was not a pretty game, and they still won because unlike the Bears, when the Saints make mistakes, they make them at such a high caliber that they still control the game. Like, good teams, you'll hear the adage, good teams find ways to win. Well, good teams really win even when they make mistakes because they're they're executing at such a high level that the mistakes are, they pale in comparison to all the great execution, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the Saints, even if they make mistakes, they're just, they might will themselves to win because they execute at that high level. So I'm going to pick the Saints 24, Bears 10. Okay, okay. I got you. That's very fair. It's very fair. Let's hope the Bears can bounce back on offense and actually get some points by their offense this week. Hey, it, it might be uh, spooky, too, to have the same exact loss two weeks in a row, 
Oh wow! Didn't even think about and, that. And Halloween, a post Halloween special, twenty four ten. You heard it here. Tune in next week and hear what our recap of the Bears Saints game Sunday at three thirty on Fox.